Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in and welcome to High Five Success Stories, where I interview women from all different backgrounds who can offer advice and inspiration to millennial gals. I hope you enjoy and have a great day. Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to share my conversation with the renowned Sister Mary Scullion, who is an incredible hero in Philadelphia, where she has been fighting to end chronic street homelessness since 1976. Although she is one of the most humble humans I have ever come across, her work has not gone unnoticed. She was named by Time Magazine one of the most influential people in the world in 2009 alongside Michelle Obama and Oprah Winfrey, received the Latari Medal from the University of Notre Dame in 2011, which is the highest award given to any American Catholic. She was a Georgetown Convention speaker in 2017, and the list goes on. Sister Mary is most well known for co-founding Project Home in 1989 with Joan Dawson McConnell. It is a nationally recognized organization that strives to end the chronic cycle of homelessness. So the H stands for housing, the O stands for opportunities for employment, the M stands for medical care, and the E for education. So the vision is that the homeless need a combination of housing, employment, medical care, and education to overcome poverty. So throughout our conversation, Mary takes us on the journey of how Project Home came into existence and she was kind enough to also share the early setbacks that she encountered and how she used grit and perseverance to stay committed to her vision of ending chronic homelessness. 30 years later, her grit certainly paid off. Project Home now has an established headquarters in Philadelphia where I interviewed Sister Mary. I loved my time at the building. It was really amazing to see so many people working together to end homelessness. It inspired me to get more involved. They also have over 800 units of affordable and supportive housing. They founded the Stephen Klein Wellness Center, which addresses the medical care for the homeless. They founded the Hanuk McLearning Center and Comcast Technology Labs, which is an awesome state-of-the-art four-story building that addresses the education needs of the homeless. And they recently partnered with SEPTA and the City of Philadelphia to open the Hub of Hope and Suburban Station in Philadelphia. It's a safe place where the homeless can enjoy a warm cup of coffee, take a shower, do their laundry, and begin the process of finding a permanent home. I also was really curious as to why so many of the homeless are often resistant to come off the streets. Sister Mary explains that with anything in life, you can't force someone to do something. They have to be ready for it. But if you keep gently shedding light on them to make them feel significant, that could make the difference. So next time you pass a homeless person in the street, maybe try to offer a smile. It might give them that confidence they need to take the first step to get off the streets. Hope you guys enjoy. So welcome to High Five Success Stories, Hi, Sister Mary. Stephanie. Thank you for taking the time too. It's I know you have a really you. busy great schedule. To be with you. Um, so I thought we'd start out a little bit differently than typical interviews. Um, one topic I talk about a lot is overcoming adversity. Mm-hmm. So like I just said, we talked about Marty Gillen right. um, when she lost her son to AIDS mm-hmm. back in 1992. And then I interview a lot of people who have lost loved ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always interesting because you can tell that they've become stronger people. Right. And I know you lost your dad when you were young. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you could touch on that and how it affected you and how you found resilience. Because I think a lot of listeners could benefit from hearing your story. Right. Um, When I was in high school, my father um, was diagnosed with a brain aneurysm. Okay. And that significantly altered his his life. Mm -hmm. And it was very um, just sad Mm -hmm. for all of us because life was very different after that. And I think that like as difficult as everything was, mm-hmm. 
uh, him losing his job and, uh, and how old were you then? I guess I think it's seventh or eighth grade. Okay. Got it. And not really being able to really be the like leader of our family. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom had to step into that role. She worked full time. Okay. And, and you had siblings? I have one sister. Okay. And my mom, I think really had to scramble to like work full time, mm-hmm. take care of my dad and take care of us. Of you guys. Yeah. And it, that was just, a, you know, very, very stressful time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't really totally understand <laughs> everything right. that was going on or the right, extent right. to which, you know, my mom and dad and, uh, were really being impacted. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I remember that helped me get, you know, that really was a, an important lesson for all this mm-hmm. was that although my dad's personality was different, mm-hmm. what he was able to do, you know, our conversations, mm-hmm. all of that, the one thing that never changed was his care and loving mm-hmm. ways. Right. And, um, and just how significant mm-hmm. uh, being like a loving person is, right. even when you're losing exactly a lot of intellectual and mm-hmm. physical and right. other strengths, um, that that one quality mm-hmm. was still so evident, and and what a beautiful quality it was. Right. Exactly. So. Uh, that coupled, I think, with our faith mm-hmm. and obviously with my mother's, like, unbelievable, like, energy mm-hmm. and the way she just handled everything. That's really what helped me to learn how to deal in adversity right. is to, you might have to change your direction a little bit. Right, you might right. have to reassess your goals. Mm-hmm. However, it's still important to move forward and recognize that with God's grace, mm-hmm. all things are possible. Definitely, it's yeah. just going might be a little different. Right, right, right. exactly. Um, so, at what point did you um, have the calling with the Sisters of Mercy where you decided you were going to become a nun? Yeah, I always, uh, always really wanted to become a nun when I was okay. in like grade school and high school because mm-hmm. I really loved you know, what the sisters did. And I was educated, you know, by the sisters. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think a a real critical turning point was in um, maybe my sophomore or junior year, I volunteered at Camp Ozenam. It was a camp for underprivileged children Mm -hmm. in West Town with the Sisters of Mercy. Yeah. And I just love what they did there with the kids. I love the kids. Mm -hmm. I loved working with the kids. In fact, in the winter, I continued tutoring some of them. Okay. You know, and... uh, I just thought this is the kind of work I wanted them. Right, exactly. So if being a sister of mercy was the pathway there, mm-hmm. I was going to take it. Okay. <laughs> and then, so that happened. You went to St. Joe's University. I really entered the sister. I went to Temple University. Okay, got it. And for a year and then entered the Sisters of Mercy. And got when it. I was in the Sisters of Mercy, they sent me to finish my uh, bachelor's degree at St. Joe's. Okay. Got it. And that's where you met Mother Teresa, I think? I, I met, um, when I was a student at St. Joe's, okay. I worked with Father Brady with the Peace Justice group there, mm-hmm. Maureen McCullough and Healy. Right. And we worked 
on a project the second day of the Eucharistic Congress. Okay. And on that day, we had Dorothy Day, mm-hmm. Father Arupe, Mother Teresa. So cool. And um, Don, Bishop Don Helder Camera from Brazil. Okay. All one day. Wow. That amazing. Was an amazing day. <laughs> yeah. Has she been a role model to you at all? Mother, uh, Mother, Mother Teresa? Teresa? I think Mother Teresa's like passion for mm-hmm. those who are suffering and her compassion, right. uh, certainly, you know, was an inspiration to me and to people, yeah. you know, around the world. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, and then obviously we'll talk about some of your accomplishments and everything. Um, when I was doing all my research, I was blown away by everything that you've done. And, um, I recently did the Georgetown commencement speech, which is so cool and everything. Um, but what I always, always worry about my listeners, sometimes they put all my guests on pedestals, right. but as you know, everybody has is human. So they have setbacks right. and right. failures. Right. Right. So would you be kind enough to share any stories of maybe a failure or setback that you've had in life and how you've kind of overcome it? In this work, mm-hmm. we deal with a lot of invisible barriers that mm-hmm. people face that are homeless okay. and that are mentally ill and, and, you know, actively addicted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in my life anyway, there's been many, many times when it wasn't clear how things were going to work out or okay. if things were going to work out. Okay. So when, um, at Women of Hope, when I worked there uh, with the Archdiocese uh, for the women, the women there really wanted what many people on the street say they want, and that mm-hmm. is housing and job and okay. a job. Right. And many of these women have been deinstitutionalized from Bybury. Mm-hmm. You know, to compete in the open market that that just wasn't going to happen. Right. Right. You know, right. Or it didn't seem likely that for most. Of the women there that that yeah. would, you know, that would be a possibility. So that's when I met Joan McConnell. Okay. And both at the women and women of hope and the men that were on the street, we really wanted to develop more solutions. Mm-hmm. So housing, HO opportunities for okay. employment and medical care and the education. So okay. it's H-O-M-E. Right. And we saw housing employment, education, and healthcare okay. as the four legs of the stool right. that was needed to prevent and end homelessness. Okay. Now, how that relates to your question mm-hmm. is that was an ambitious goal. Goal, right. Okay. And neither Joan nor I had any real resources or any way of of really achieving that goal. Right. Okay. Quite honestly. Right. Okay. So you know, to make a very long story short, the Sisters of Mercy lent us $50,000 that we put down on this building at 1515 Fairmount okay. Avenue. Got it. We formed a nonprofit corporation. Mm-hmm. We invited our friends and those that had supported this work to mm-hmm. um, join in with us. Okay. And unbeknownst to the Conley family, mm-hmm. they came and they gave us a check for $100,000. Wow. That was just coincidental right, to okay. the timing of all this. But right, right. of course we saw it as a sign yeah. that this was going right. to move forward. And then lo and behold, what happened was we saw this building. We were going to mm-hmm. have a little restaurant, some housing units that we okay. have here. And, and what year was this again? Like 1988? This was in 
this would have been in 89, 89, 90. Right. Okay, around there. Mm -hmm. And then what happened is this would be one of the first supported housing for people that were homeless who had a mental illness. Right. And people were really afraid Mm -hmm. of of people with mental illness mm-hmm. and they were afraid of what would happen to their families, to their neighborhood, mm-hmm. all that. So it was a gentrifying neighborhood. Okay. The neighborhood was able to put together the political resources mm-hmm. to block the project. Okay. okay. So that was a little bit of a setback. That was, that was a, okay. a little bit of a setback. Yeah. And then, you know, many of the, Politician just said mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. Okay. Okay. It's not happening. So you had this vision for pro- and so the listeners know Project Home is right. what is where we're sitting at today, almost Correct. thirty years later. And you had the money and everything ready to go, and then they were saying you couldn't do it. Is Correct. that what was happening? Okay. Correct. I and didn't know reason, that. Okay. okay. And the reason, though, which is to your question mm-hmm. about like failures and setbacks, or setbacks mm-hmm. and things like that, the complicated answer to that question mm-hmm. is. In our society, mm-hmm. even though we live in the United States of America where there's supposed to be equal opportunity for all, mm-hmm. not equal opportunity for some, right? equal opportunity for, for all. all, Okay, that we were seeing invisible barriers okay. to those who were homeless, I see. to those who had a mental health disability, okay. that they weren't wanted. Okay, so they're worried about it in this neighborhood putting in here. Okay, Correct. got it. And not just this neighborhood, mm-hmm. really any neighborhood. any neighborhood. I went to your neighborhood mm-hmm. and I said, we're going to come and we're going to build right. 38 units of housing for homeless mm-hmm. men and women with a mental health disability. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just going to guess okay. that there will be some resistance Right, to that. right, right. Just, mm-hmm. just being No, honest. I'm in real estate. Keeping yeah, real no, real. I understand. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Keeping it real. Yeah. And... um I point that out because the the challenge to mm-hmm. doing this work was not about people that are homeless, mm-hmm. their personal failures or my personal failures, right? But it's our society's fears mm-hmm. and misconceptions mm-hmm. in many ways, right? Uh, so, I mean, to make a long story. Just okay. a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. We went down and we got the Justice Department of the United States wow. to sue the city on our behalf. Okay. And four years later, mm-hmm. but that was four years. This yeah. was in limbo. Right, right. Was it going to go forward? Wasn't going to, you know, nobody really knew. Mm-hmm. The Justice Department of the United States took up our case, okay. sued the city, and we won in federal court. Amazing. The city uh, fought against that and appealed that decision to the Third Circuit. Wow. Okay. Where we won in the Third Circuit. Okay. Then the only thing the city could have done at that point was taken it to the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Right. And they decided not to. Not to. to. They okay. let us, you know, proceed. So, and so Project Home has been here in Fairmont since correct. then. Wow. Yes. Where we're sitting today. Correct. So okay. we, I mean, we got the agreement of sale in 1990. Mm-hmm. We weren't able to build or open until okay. 1996. Wow. 
Right. So, I didn't know that. That's yeah. so interesting. And yeah. just to the listeners know too that for those that aren't familiar with Project right. Home, right. Um, can you say what it stands for? Can you tell them one more time? Project then, Home, H-O-M-E, okay. H Affordable Housing, O Opportunities for Employment, okay. and Medical Care, and E Education. Okay. So we say the single most important thing tending homelessness today mm-hmm. is affordable housing. Okay. The single most important thing tending homelessness in the future is a quality education right. for every single child. Okay. Right? Education is the key to the future. Okay. But people need a safe place to call home mm-hmm. in order to be um, more receptive to those opportunities of education, right? right? It's okay. hard to learn when you're sleeping in a shelter right. or when you're in a doubled up situation and there's a lot of trauma or turmoil or even violence right. that exists there. Exactly. Right. So so uh, you have to tackle um, poverty mm-hmm. and homelessness in a multifaceted way. Right. And that's what Project Home... It's cutting edge, but it's very entrepreneurial right. what you did. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's and it's really what we did. Joan right. and I were, were the co-founders in mm-hmm. 1989. Okay. Along with men and women that were homeless. Mm-hmm. And other people that cared, Steve Gold, who was an attorney, mm-hmm. you know, the Conley support, mm-hmm. then subsequently the Honickman support who right. got involved to, uh, along with Comcast, okay. to develop a, a center for kids for right. education and employment opportunities. Okay. And then most recently with John and Lee Middleton, mm-hmm. who took our work and our experience and leveraged it even more um, through the largest gift that any nonprofit in the country that work with the homeless. Right. They gave us Amazing. the largest one. Yeah. yeah. And what's funny too is that timing wise, I ran into yesterday, Mr. Conley, Tom Conley. Oh, cool. I did. And I was telling him um, that I was interviewing you yeah. and literally like today. Yeah, and then, right. so he was really excited about that, yeah, yeah. which but, is really cool. The yeah. Conleys have been um, mm-hmm. uh, not only a, uh, you know, the, the most important initial supporter of our work, mm-hmm. but they've been a partner all along. All along, yeah. You know, the way, in fact, we have Conley House named after Mr. Okay. and Mrs. Conley. Okay, very cool. Right behind yeah. St. John the Evangelist Church mm-hmm. in Center City. Oh, very 79 cool. units of housing wow. for men and women. Amazing. That are, uh, that have been homeless. Uh, with special needs, some mm-hmm. with a mental health disability, some with addiction, some with both fully mm-hmm. diagnosed. Uh, they live there. Very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, and one question I had too, um, about Project Home is it's sort of, so I talk about the meaning of, um, grit a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read Angela Duckworth's book, Grit, and, um, I've heard you've about heard about it. Yeah. So, um, and she talks all about grit and perseverance. And I'd love to hear what that word grit means to you. Cause I feel like you had to apply it when you found Project Home in 1989 and then you didn't really get off the, you know, ground and run until 1996. So you really had to be patient and per- persevere. So right. how did you keep that grit and what, is, what does it mean to you really? Well, um, so in 1996 is when we opened 1515. That's okay. Where we are, where we are today. Okay. okay. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. people were still on the street. So we had to do things differently, right? right? I think that's what, you know, when one door closes, you have to yeah. find another open door. Okay. Um, and so what we did was... Um, we went up to the St. Elizabeth's mm-hmm. area. There was some vacant property up there from the diocese, both at the former um, Most Precious Blood Parish okay. and the former St. Elizabeth's Parish. Mm-hmm. 
And the people in that neighborhood, uh, we said to them, we would like to do housing for people that are homeless and have it be clean and sober housing. Okay. You know, many of the men and women that people said wouldn't come off the street mm-hmm. did come off the street. Okay. And many of them chose recovery right. and treatment, but then there was no place to come to. Okay. You know, except to right, go right. back on the street, which yeah. was just, you know, wouldn't be, um, you know, therapeutic or, exactly, yeah. you know, wouldn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we were able to work with the neighbors up there and they supported, um, that concept mm-hmm. of recovery housing with jobs and education and employment. Okay. And, um, we, uh, developed the convent at Most Precious Blood. Okay. And then we got the convent at St. Elizabeth's. Mm-hmm. We did that. And then we took the rectory and we opened up a little center for after school for the kids in the neighborhood. Okay. Cause that's what the people in the neighborhood wanted. Right. Exactly. So like we think the best way to prevent homelessness mm-hmm. or end homelessness is to prevent it. Okay. And so that this was this neighborhood in North Philadelphia mm-hmm. was one of the two zip codes where most people who went to the shelter system came from. Okay. So we thought, can we got it help shore up some of the, needs here in the neighborhood so people right. didn't have to go to shelter. Okay. Right? That right, would be right. the, that would be awesome okay. if that would happen. Yeah. So that was the the actual lawsuit mm-hmm. was although a very difficult thing, especially because of the message it sent to people who were homeless with special needs mm-hmm. that you weren't wanted. Okay. In this right? That's right. a bad message to send right, to people. Right. That it was really um, the catalyst that enabled us to look for other places. So we, okay. we opened up in a smaller way right. in uh, North Philadelphia and uh, Most Precious Blood, that's on Diamond Street, mm-hmm. and then subsequently at 23rd and Burke's at okay. St. Elizabeth's. Got it. And did other, you know, initiatives. Right. And um, then we joined... With the Philadelphia plan to, okay. and that was the state and the city mm-hmm. working together with a corporation that was Crown Cork and Seal okay. to invest in neighborhoods to prevent homelessness. Okay, so got we, it. We did that while we were still working. We were still to working. Free 1550. Right, right, right. We wanted yeah. to get this project so you're moving. you're being proactive on the other ends. Yeah. Right. Got yeah. it. And so we did other things. We opened up Kairos House Support in Jefferson. Okay. Uh, again, for people with a mental health disability. Right. We, uh, the Salvation Army lent us a roller skating rink one wow. winter that we turned yeah. into a winter emergency right, shelter. Right. So Bell cool. Atlantic. Uh huh. Remember Bell Atlantic? Yes. Was a company. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Way the back old days. Day. Yeah. When they closed their, uh, building, they let us use it in the winter time for a shelter. Oh wow, that's really cool. Which was awesome. Yeah. I mean, so we 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 were able to work in other ways to okay. continue to address the urgent need of people that were homeless. Right. I love that. Yeah. So that's and, great. I yeah, mean, great. It's right. Not, and you know what? It's often attributed to a mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it was really a community of people. Okay. People that were homeless themselves. Right. I one time I asked, um, we were at a meeting with a lot of our residents. I said, who can describe our strategic plan and what mm-hmm. that means? And 
one of the women raised her hand and said determination. Right. And so when you see the obstacles, Mm -hmm. both the visible and the invisible Invisible. obstacles Mm -hmm. that people who are actually homeless with special needs face, if you want to talk about grit, yeah, you know, I think that would be a really awesome place to start. Right. right? So exactly. Like being part of that community, Mm -hmm. um, taught me a lot about perseverance and grit. And, grit yeah. and hopefully, you know, we were true to those values because they were so deep in the exactly. men and women that we serve. Yeah, I love that. And do you have any statistics? I, I read somewhere that 95% of people that come to Project Homes don't go back on the streets. And then I think there's another statistic of about the, the amount of homeless people in 1989 compared to today. Has it gone down? Right. So, you know what? Um, unfortunately, the number of people has not gone down. Okay. But what, what has been accomplished through many mm-hmm. wonderful organizations in the Philadelphia area, many awesome civic philanthropists like the Middletons, the mm-hmm. Honigmans, the Conleys, and great city leadership and state leadership, is that in the city of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. of the 10 largest cities in the United States, Philadelphia has the highest poverty rate okay. of all the ma- the 10 major cities. Wow, okay. It's 26%. Wow. So that's pretty devastating. Yes, yeah. Okay. But for the 10 largest cities in the United States, mm-hmm. Philadelphia has the lowest per capita number of people living on the street. Okay. So that's... Got that's, it. I think what that is indicative right. of is that Ending homelessness and poverty, mm-hmm. it really requires everyone in our community. The mm-hmm. solution lies within all of us, all the us, business yeah. community, the civic community, right. the philanthropic, the, you know, the people that are experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. Like we all have to work together right. for the common good of our city, common for good. a total quality of life of everybody in our city. Right. So another great example of that, which is another first for Philly, mm-hmm. is that, um, SEPTA, who's our regional rail line okay. here in, in Philadelphia and in the you know the suburbs, right? Uh, SEPTA saw that many people who were experiencing homelessness were living in their in their subway stations. Okay, you know in suburban right. station and other mm-hmm. train right. you know localities. So instead of building fences mm-hmm. and you know, moving people out. Okay. What SEPTA and the city and then Project Home did mm-hmm. is we built a hub of hope right in suburban I just read station. about that. Really cool. Yeah. yeah. And so that is a place where men and women experiencing homelessness mm-hmm. can, can come, can get a shower, wash their okay. clothes, use the restrooms. Right. You know, hopefully take another step into housing or mm-hmm. shelter or jobs. Right. We're going to open up a medical clinic there in, okay. in March. Wow. Um, and so that's another example of Philadelphia right. working together. See, yeah, like yeah. Project Home can't solve homelessness, right? right? Yeah, yeah. You need a public-private partnership. Mm-hmm. You need many organizations like Bethesda Project, Housing First, Pathways to Housing, right. Horizon House, yeah. you know, People's Emergency Center, yeah. you know, Project Rainbow. You know, I could go on and mm-hmm. on. But um, combating poverty in our city and in our country mm-hmm. is is really, really needed right. and so important that everybody open their eyes yeah. and see the suffering 
you know, exactly. that's there. And then it's moves people to action. Right. And one question I had too, I read that sometimes it takes, going back to the meaning of grit and perseverance, it takes sometimes 15 or 20 times to get someone off the streets to come in, which I think is so interesting. Like how come, how come they're so resistant at times? Right. And can, do you have an example of someone who you maybe pursued for a while and then finally got them to come off the streets and they were transformed? I think that's always a cool stories to hear. Bear with me by mm-hmm. trying to reframe your question a little right, bit. Right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> you know why? Yeah. Is that um, many times the men and women who mm-hmm. live on our streets have been traumatized. Okay. Have been locked up, mm-hmm. um, set on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you just read about a homeless man up in the Northeast that mm-hmm. was teenagers came and beat right. him to death. Okay. Um you know, men and women that are homeless, like the the bottom line is they're all very poor. Mm-hmm. So poverty is institutionalized violence. Okay. And it takes a little piece of, out of people mm-hmm. like each day. Right. So by the time someone ends up on the street, mm-hmm. they're pretty traumatized. Okay. I'm just going to. Right. That's the only word I can really mm-hmm. think of. Okay. And if they're in crisis, in mental health crisis, mm-hmm. that's another layer. Right. If they're malnourished, dehydrated, you know, that's yeah. another layer, right? Right, right? Layer, layer. So many times people on the street for very good reasons don't know who to trust. Mm-hmm. So, okay. right. If, you, if, yeah. if I said to you, Stephanie, come on in. Now you know me a little mm-hmm. bit, like maybe, you, you know, because right. of some relationship. If you walk mm-hmm. down the street and someone said, Stephanie, Come on into my house. Right. Would you do it? Probably not. Right. Yes, right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. I mean, I and that's a saying. good decision. Yeah. By the way, that's <laughs> exactly. a good decision. Yeah. And so people on the street, you know, like all of us need to develop mm-hmm. that relationship of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the places that people go to mm-hmm. aren't places that you would want to go to, right. quite honestly. Yeah. You know? Uh, so it just takes time okay for people to you know find their way home again okay because it took them such a long time maybe right. to end up on the street yeah and the path was pretty rough right exactly and a lot of time hope is gone mm-hmm. you know for whatever reasons yeah that we don't even understand right like it's really hard to even imagine the burdens mm-hmm. that people carry right and then how do they carry them? How do they carry them? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just being honest. Right. Yeah, I don't right. know. Yeah. Okay. So we as a society, mm-hmm. people always say, what can I do? You mm-hmm. know, when I see someone yeah. who's homeless. And I think it's so important to look someone in the eye. Okay. And talk to them as another human being. Okay. And treat them with respect. So if I'm, so I live over in the Rittenhouse area. Right. A lot of times I'm walking to get dinner at night. Right. Um, and I see that every night I see right. someone. Right. So how would you encourage me to approach? Cause I don't know what to do to be right. honest. You know what right. I mean? Right. But I see them sometimes like asking for money or whatever. And right. what would you encourage me to do in that? Well, situation? I think you always engage as appropriate. Okay. Like if someone mm-hmm. isn't talking to, you know, maybe you don't, you know, right. Yeah, right? Yeah. But if you feel like they're you know trying to engage you, yeah. definitely, you know, hello, mm-hmm. how, you know, and if they ask you for money, mm-hmm. many times it is a sign of addiction. Okay. Okay. So addiction is a disease mm-hmm. and people have lost family and right. friends. And to be honest, I, you know, 
mental illness and addiction are equal opportunity diseases. Mm-hmm. They happen in every economic, you know, mm-hmm. sphere and every neighborhood and yeah. business. But if you happen to be very, very poor, it could be enough to put you on the street. Okay. You know, it right. doesn't necessarily put you on the street if you have mm-hmm. other economic needs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, but it can be if you do. Okay. And so the issue is how would you treat someone that you cared about who was asking you for money right. that you perceived that they were actively using? Okay. Okay. I don't know. Like, there's no one answer to that. I mm-hmm. mean, I guess you're thinking, well, of course you don't get the money. Yeah. Well, you know what? You oftentimes you don't, okay. and you might get them something to eat, or say, you know, listen, if you want a resource or know, mm-hmm. I can call outreach and yeah. they can come down and talk with you right. and see what your options are. But sometimes, honestly, you give them the five dollars, yeah, to really let them know you kind of believe in them. You believe in them, right. yeah. I like that approach. Right. For so sure. There's there's no one way, mm-hmm. but you just have to understand the context, right, in which we're operating and in which they're operating right and like if it was your brother or your sister Mm -hmm. what would you do do, yeah you'd help them yeah and yeah yeah and 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 sometimes help means different sometimes Mm -hmm. help means saying no yeah right right you know i'm just also being honest honest. yeah Yeah. you know there's there's no like definitive answers in this. Mm-hmm. The only answer is that love is the answer. Yeah. Okay. Love is really the answer. Right. And it's always the answer. Would you encourage <laughs> me to say, like, what's your name? Like strike a conversation. Sure. sure just sure. to know, just yeah. so they know that right. people care, care about, about, them, about them, make yep. them feel significant. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, sometimes actually I read somewhere, so I'm always on the road when I'm driving out to the suburbs right. and right. for people that aren't from Philadelphia, when I'm about to get on the highway, there's a little bit of a wait to get right. on 76 right. out to the suburbs and there's always, they're pedaling there a little bit. Right. So I read somewhere that if, um, to keep socks or Gatorade or soft right. food right. and sometimes I, I'll hand them out right. there right. and that's just a little way to do it. Yeah. Right. So right. I don't know if that's, if you would agree with that too. Sure, sure. Okay. You know what, I mean, I think you, this, as I said, the solution to homelessness mm-hmm. lies within all of us. Yeah. And we all strive to be authentic people. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Right. You know, there's, you know, we all have to find our way yeah. in that. And, um, and I think that, uh, addiction and mental illness are difficult realities mm-hmm. in our own lives, in the lives of our families. Right. And it, it is difficult to know mm-hmm. what what the right response is, yes, but yeah. ultimately, this the way it has to kind of come to the person themselves. Mm-hmm. Like you can't do it for them. Exactly. Okay. Right. I see what you're saying. Can't. Yeah. So you know, just saying to them like, "What's helped you in the past? Right. What do you think you know is going to help you get off the street? Right. You know and you know, I want to support you, mm-hmm. but you know, the, that decision, and it's not really a decision. Mm-hmm. It's an oppor, you know, it's, it's an opportunity coupled right. with a readiness to seize that opportunity. Okay. You know what I mean? Got it's, it. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any, um, specific stories of maybe someone that you saw on the street for a couple of years and you guys, you know, approached them and then finally they came in and turned their life around? Right. Yep. I mean, you know, we have countless stories like that, okay. quite honestly. So, I think one lady I, I read about, Michelle, I think. Right. She was an yeah. addict for oh, two right. years. Yeah, Michelle. Right. Yeah. yeah, she's working at the Hub of Hope right now. Okay, so got that's it. a great story. Okay? okay. So Michelle was homeless for 20 years. Mm-hmm. 20 years. Wow. Right. 
and she lived in the past couple years in the train station, in suburban station. Wow. And then one day, one of the outreach workers Mm -hmm. contacted her, and she had been to the hub, you know, a couple times for a couple of People knew of her a little bit? Right. Okay. And then one day, one of the outreach workers said, you know, Michelle, when you're ready, Mm -hmm. we have... We have um, the ability to access you into this program called Journey of Hope. Okay. Which is a recovery-oriented program, you know, if you're interested. Okay. And she came back and said to the Kanika, Okay. You know what? I'm ready. Here she's ready. I'm okay. ready. Yeah. So Kanika made the call, got her into Journey of Hope. She was there for several months. Okay. Made a lot of progress in her own mm-hmm. health and her the insight, um, you know, developing tools that yeah. she needed to survive. She was able to uh, apply and get into Ray Homes. That's a project home residence. Okay. Um, it, that's clean and sober. It's a mm. recovering residence that we have. She lives there. Mm. She pays rent. She started to volunteer at the Hub of Hope. Okay. And then got a little part-time job there. Very cool. And then this year, she's working there full-time wow. after four years. Yeah. So she's been clean for four, four years. Four years. Amazing. And now is working there full-time. So she can be a model to the other people Correct, because the they know her. They know her. Okay. So she, will her. she go back out sometimes, too? Oh, yeah. And try to help yeah, her people absolutely. in and everything? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, she's sure. She's done that yeah. you know, through outreach. I mean, the, so we always had the Hub of Hope for six years, but it was only opened in a small storefront mm-hmm. January through April. Right. It was this January that we opened 12 months of the year okay. in a much bigger facility. Now we have showers, we have a medical clinic, we have social services. Yeah. We never had that right. before. It was just a really, honestly, 800 square feet. Okay. You know, a storefront. You could come in, yeah. get a cup of coffee, you know, talk to a worker. Okay. I know that's that's amazing. And then I read once that you actually slept on the streets for a week. Mm-hmm. How what was that experience like? And did you find courage through that? Um, you know, uh, that experience was a really worthwhile experience for me. And it's really interesting now because Pope Francis talks about encounter, mm-hmm. the encounter, meaning it's important for all of us to be with people who are poor and suffering, mm-hmm. you know, meeting them on human grounds. Yeah. So it's okay. encounter. Right. Know, encounter. And, um, but this was a long time before Pope Francis okay. came around. So, but that's kind of the thing that I felt too, mm-hmm. that um, as a sister of mercy and as um, uh, a Catholic woman, obviously, you know, go to church and mm-hmm. do the things that, you know, prescribed in, you know, religious tradition, which, you know, were are awesome. Mm-hmm. However, when I went out on the street at night, you know, is it, you know, now this is going back 20 years. Yeah, okay. now this is going back 30 or 35 okay. years. What time okay. of year is that when it you went on the street? Uh, it was, it was definitely like late spring, early summer. Okay. Was it, yeah, it wasn't, cold. Was, yeah. It wasn't the cold weather. I just thought the time of like where I really felt like I met you know, the face of God mm-hmm. was doing outreach. Okay. It, it's the time where I felt like God's presence in a very profound mm-hmm. way. Right. And so I thought for retreat, this is what I should do. Okay. You know, if, right. if, instead of going to a church or away, yeah. I should maybe come closer. Right. To, to relate to them or. Right. Okay. Got to, it. Where I thought, 
you know, uh, where I experienced like profound grace mm-hmm. and holiness. Okay. And, uh, so that's, that's what I did. And, and I, and I found that there, but I also found physically it was very, very demanding. Okay. And to the point where I really felt sick. Right. So what did you do all day when you were on just the streets? Just walked around. Just walked around. Okay. And, you know, you searched. Yeah. I mean, just trying to, uh-oh, okay, I'm coming. Thank you. Okay. Um, just trying to, um, being poor is like a full-time job. I mean, mm-hmm. you had to find a place to wash up. Right. In the morning, you had okay. to find a place find something to eat mm-hmm. and I couldn't go to the soup kitchens because I knew everything. You knew everybody. Okay, right. Okay. Yeah. Like I couldn't go to that. I right, had right. To, you know, really scramble, mm-hmm. you know, that way. It was also very lonely. Okay. You know, it was, it, you, no one I really just talks felt, to you. right. Okay. Very disconnected. Okay. Uh, and that's an unusual experience for mm-hmm. me because, right. you know, I, you know, I'm a people person, mm-hmm. but, and I, and I, there were times I felt unsafe. Okay. Or I just felt like I didn't really want to sleep because mm-hmm. I was, right. you know, I just, you know, so I always slept with other pe- other women. Okay, got I it. I always slept with other women. Okay. And you know what was interesting? Mm-hmm. They didn't act like it was any, anything unusual. Right. <laughs> like, I was thinking they might say, you know, what are you doing here? Right. Or, like, you know, but they didn't. So where was that exactly? I, I, where, where I slept when I was on the street was at, um, there was a Wendy's. At okay. 11th and Walnut. Okay. And a few women would sleep outside. Right outside of there. Door. Okay. Yeah. So that's where you slept. Yeah. Oh, geez. I yeah. did. And, um. So you could better relate to what they were going through, going forward in life with well, the homeless. I, I, I guess I had a deeper understanding of some of their plight, mm-hmm. like a, a better understanding. Yeah. And I do believe that God often reveals Mm-hmm. Him, him or herself, yeah. outside of the temple, okay. as opposed to right in it. Okay, okay, yeah. and 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 so it it was um it was something I really felt like I wanted to do. Okay, and I did it, and you did it, yeah. And it was really hard. It was right. harder than what I thought it was going to be. Right, right. It was definitely harder than what I anticipated. Right, exactly. Um, and the other thing that was interesting too is I remember not really being able to think like a hundred percent clearly because you're tired and yeah tired right just exhausted yeah and each day got worse it didn't get better yeah um and you know you smelled and right and all that I it was it was really difficult right exactly Mm -hmm. um and I know we're short in time so I'll I'll start wrapping up but um one question I had too is because obviously you've been named um a lot of titles I thought the Time Magazine, you were um, with Michelle Obama and Oprah Winfrey as one of the most influential women in the world in 2009. So what was it like getting that title? The good news is, like, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know how that happened. Okay? <laughs> That's just number one. But number two is um, it, it's really a title for our community. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, I, I have enough sense to know that many times – in spite of me, things happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that I'm one of many in this community. Mm-hmm. I am a visible, you know, mm-hmm. and more like out there. Mm-hmm. But it's not me. It's us. Everybody. Okay. And, and, and that's any, any honor belongs to our community. Okay. Yeah. And especially to the men and women right, that right. experience homelessness. Yeah. It was a good recognition for the city. 
in general it, for it, project it challenge. definitely it definitely uh, it definitely helped shine a light on the issue okay and shine a light on our work right i mean people are like what but it's kind of like i'm just going to say this too like yeah. it's kind of people don't understand mm-hmm. that the prophets and the heroes the people suffering in mm-hmm. our world yeah. is what's really redeeming our world right instead people often look to success in places that maybe mm-hmm. It's more superficial. I don't right. know. Yeah, no, just, yeah, I agree. You know, yeah. Although, like, you know, I, I, I'm in awe of what Oprah and, and Michelle Obama have done mm-hmm. for women, for, um, you know, for rights, for mm-hmm. speaking out and speaking yeah. authentically and truthfully. I love right. them for that. Right, right, right. Um, I also love, you know, the men and women on the street that live mm-hmm. in such a prophetic way saying yeah. to our world, something's radically wrong. Right. And we need to change. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 So, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what that means, but there's something. No, there yeah, to think for about. sure. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and one question I, I had too, is that, um, you know, I know you've done a lot of big speeches too. So, um, it's one question people always have is how to prepare for public speaking because it's a very nerve wracking thing sometimes. Yes, it is. And so, do you have um, how do you how did you prepare to do Georgetown University's commencement speech in front of thousands of people? Well, for Georgetown, it was one of the maybe easier ones. Really, and the reason okay. it was is because I love the Jesuits. Mm-hmm. I was educated at St. Joe's University. Right. I love Father Rupe, okay. who said at the Eucharistic Congress, mm-hmm. "When anyone is hungry in the world, yeah." The Eucharist is incomplete everywhere in the world. Okay. And that's like our mission statement. None of us are home until, until all of us are us home. Are home. Okay. So love the Jesuits. Yeah. Love the, love Jesuit spirituality. Okay. So I, I'm familiar with it. Mm-hmm. I, um, and in the context of developing young leaders, which is so important that mm-hmm. are infused with yeah. the Jesuit spirituality. Pope Francis is a Jesuit. Right. So, whoa. You're you know excited, I mean? yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Right, right, right. So, I, uh, I actually, that's one of the few that I actually enjoyed okay. thinking about, putting together. Right. And, uh, and, and being there. Yep. I okay. really, I kind of, I really love, I love the Jesuits. You loved it. Yeah. Okay. I love the Jesuits. Do you, um, do you, do you write the speech beforehand and oh, then practice yes. and practice? Oh, okay. Oh, I don't yeah. practice it. I mean, because, I mean, I do practice it a couple times. Okay. But writing it, I would write and rewrite and write, write and, and rewrite. Write okay. And share it with a few of my friends or a few Jesuit, you know, people okay. that I know. What do you think? What do you, you think? Know? Yeah. And then it gets developed. That right, way. right. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, and then since we're wrapping up, um, how, in what ways can people help that maybe, you know, with homelessness? What are the little small steps that we can do, um, to help end chronic homelessness? Right. So we believe that we can end and prevent chronic homelessness okay. in, in our, you know, in our world. Right. And, uh, people can do, you know, just by talking to men and women that are homeless. Mm-hmm. Like one person on the street, Sterling told me when people walked by and didn't even see him, he felt like a piece of trash. Right. But when people spoke to him. Okay. And he found, and that's how we are. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how we all are. Like yeah. when people love us. Respond. We yeah. respond and we develop and we change mm-hmm. and we yeah. you know, grow. So everyone wants to feel significant. Right. Yeah. So just 
you know, doing that was is one thing. Okay. All, but equally important is advocating for just political policies in our country. Okay. You know, the most recent tax cut mm-hmm. that added $1.4 trillion mm-hmm. to the deficit. Wow. And, you know, quite frankly, to corporations that were doing pretty well anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, right, it wasn't right. like Apple is struggling right. to make it. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> They're not. Yeah. Okay? That um, to give that kind of tax break to corporations and now Congress to turn around and say, oh, we have to cut food stamps and mm-hmm. Medicaid and housing to pay for these tax cuts. Right. We have to stand up and say no. Okay. No. Yeah. No. Not take. Not doing that. Exactly. No. Yeah. No. We have to, you know, to find another way. This is about America, mm-hmm. the land of we, the people, not okay. them and us. Right. And and we have to be true to that. In my definitely, you know, yeah. yeah. Mr. Mary, this is really really helpful. Okay. Yes, I love hearing your story. <laughs> Steffi, I'm going to put one more thing in here. And yeah. You can one more stick up for the yes. for the Jesuit thing. Okay. You just because you put it in your questions. Okay. Um, my very favorite book is oh, yes. Tattoos the of the Fire. Heart. Tattoos of the Heart. Okay. My, my very favorite book is Tattoos of the Heart, written by Father Greg Boyle, who's a Jesuit. Okay. Who works in L.A. with gang members. Oh wow! It's an awesome book. Okay, Tattoos of the Heart. Hi, everybody! Thank you so very much for taking the time to listen to High Five Success Stories. To learn more about the podcast, feel free to follow me on Instagram. My handle is at High Five Success, or on Facebook, you can like High Five Success Stories with Steph Hayden. Or I'm also on Twitter. My handle is at High Five Hayden. And lastly, you can subscribe to the newsletter on my website, www.stephhayden.com. And if you get a second, I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on iTunes. Thanks so much.